0: Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share inspiring stories and tips on facing vulnerability and the lessons we can use to help us be able to find success and fulfillment in our own lives. With each episode, we hope to impact one listener. And if anything you've heard has impacted you, we'd appreciate you sharing it on social. Thank you for listening. Now let's get vulnerable. Audrey Lord said, and that visibility, which makes us most vulnerable is that, which also is the source of our greatest strength. This is episode 46 of the vulnerable podcast with Rich Keller. He grew up in a broken home where he was literally invisible, never being the smartest or most athletic or most anything meant that the attention went to his siblings. Now how this affected him wasn't uncovered until years later in therapy. At 26, he was diagnosed with testicular cancer, which definitely brought its challenges but his world completely blew up when his wife was diagnosed with breast cancer a few years later. All this struggle would lead him to begin asking himself who he was and start doing the work to figure it out. Now he's the catalyst to people figuring out their value through their one word. His one word program will help you discover who you are and become completely aligned in your life. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Rich Keller. Hey, Rich. Thank you for coming on the Vulnerable podcast. Um, this was a really sort of—I um, don't know how to put it—but it was like it was a very quick sort of. Uh uh connection on on instagram you sent me a quick dm telling me that you like the podcast i checked out your instagram and was like you seem to have a pretty interesting story let's do this and i kind of like that i like when those sort of things happen where it's not so planned or or where you know you beat people out of random so i i definitely appreciate you coming on today and and sharing your story
1: thank you for having me i'm really grateful to be here and you know the best connections are the ones that are spontaneous. So um, I'm really looking forward to this. Thank awesome, you.
0: Awesome, awesome. So the first question I ask every guest to get started is, "What is your definition of vulnerability?"
1: I knew you were going to ask me that. By the way, after <laughs> listening to, listen to, to a couple of your episodes ahead of time, I was like, "Wow." Um, I'm going to start by telling you that I am a huge Brene Brown fan. Um, if I had my last meal before I entered the pearly gates and I had a couple of people to have she is 100% top of my list and I'm actually gonna um, go with her definition but I'll expand a little um, I you know her definition of vulnerability is um, risk uh, uncertainty risk and emotional exposure and I think to me that is really the um, the center of what vulnerability means to me and it's basically having the courage to let people see the real you and i think for me this journey that i've been on about myself um, when i stumbled upon her i almost felt that she was sitting next to me for years and i just didn't know how to articulate it and so i think that we all live in uncertainty we all have risk and boy we all should be emotional and I think when I started to really understand how to articulate the real me, I started to realize that vulnerability is the way to win. Like that is if you can't get vulnerable, you I don't believe you can be successful. I I think you hit a wall and like I did. And I think it forces you to break that wall down. And if you do, boy, what's on the other side is unbelievable. But if you don't, then you to some degree you fit in versus belonging. And I think vulnerability to me is belonging, knowing who you are and then having the courage to go help other people that are having the same challenge, help them break that wall.
0: No, and I couldn't agree more. It's, it's funny because, uh, as you mentioned, Brene Brown, I didn't know who she was until I literally thought about starting the article series that we spoke about <laughs> before we got started. And I was speaking with a friend, and I was like, I think I want to start talking about vulnerability and stuff like that. And he's like, well, do some research and, like, you know, whatever. And so I went on Google, and I typed in, like, vulnerability experts or something like that. And then Brene Brown popped up, and I was like, oh, man, there's a lot Ooh. of information from this one person. And, and since then, I've watched, like, her TED talk. I've watched her Netflix special and she definitely has, you know, when I, even when I look for quotes for the the sort of intros of my episodes, 90% of the time, the quotes that come up are all from her because she definitely has a lot of them when it comes to to vulnerability. And then the other thing that I I find really interesting about what you said is uh, an episode that I um, uh, recorded a few days ago with a friend of mine. Uh, We started talking about this whole thing of authenticity and vulnerability and, and sharing and everything like that you sort of spoke about. And what I think, Was important sort of about the way that you um, you define it as you know like you have to face it yourself and then from there you you sort of like learn and grow from it and then from there you can help others and that was sort of the same uh, realization we sort of came to in that episode where you know I I was talking about being vulnerable on social and stuff like that and he's like yeah but if you're just doing it to like share your story and, and you know maybe get the attention and sympathy from other people does that really benefit you and I said. No, because you have to do it with yourself first. And so I, I couldn't agree more with you is that you have to be true to who you are. First, you have to be vulnerable with yourself first. And then from there, you can go out, put it into the world and try and impact others. So I just really liked your definition because it sort of gave that exact same sort of transition of how I believe vulnerability works as well.
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. One of the things Brene Brown says that really hit me, you know, when I was, you know, on my own journey and, you know, I'm still, I still am, but she made a comment that you can't give away what you don't have. And I never, real, I mean, I'm a brand guy as we'll talk about, you know, what I believe the real definition of branding is. And you can't, I started to realize, you know, if I really want to fully express myself, I can't, give that away to someone and help them fully express themselves as a brand guy that's not authentic unless I get real with myself. And when I like heard that statement, that was the real, you know, stepping stone for me to say, well, who am I? And so that I've always in the back of my mind when I work with people, I always say at the end of the day, if you don't, if if it's not coming from your heart, and it's functionally in your head, and you can't, You can't give it away until you get real with yourself and your heart. And that's where brands lie in the heart. And as a brand myself, that really opened my whole game to really getting vulnerable and sharing in a way that would help people win. I'm sharing to help people win. I'm not sharing to get sympathy. There's a big difference in that statement.
0: No, 100%. And like I said, it's it's great to to sort of realize that for me as well, like when you, when you spoke about there about coming from the heart, like I realized that again, too, that, that in the past few years, that there's a lot of talk out there about your mindset and getting right up here. But I think that you have to get right in your heart first before even your mindset or anything else matters. Because if you're not right there, your mind can trick you and tell you a lot of other things that may not necessarily be true to yourself or the way that you really want to present yourself and then you end up because that's I mean completely honest that's what happened to me when I hopped onto social I was sort of you know had this story going on in my head that I was putting out into the world but it wasn't really true to who I was so but enough about me (laughs) We we want to get into we want to get into you and your story uh, I mean, like I said, when I when I saw you on Instagram there and I looked through your profile quickly and I checked out a little bit about you, you've definitely faced um, your fair share of of struggles and vulnerabilities. Uh, what I want to sort of look at, if you don't mind, is just if we yeah. can go back for a minute, like if you can think back to whether it's, you know, childhood, high school, whatever you want to sort of, however far back you want to go, what would you say would be your like earliest memory of, of facing some sort of vulnerability or struggle in your own life?
1: Yeah, that, that is, once again, what a powerful question, because I think my entire life has been vulnerable. I just didn't know it. And over the last couple of years, I've really pieced my story together. Um, and so, you know, I'll say a couple of things on that, because I don't know, if, I think there was one particular moment, but I think it's important to sort of build up to that so that listeners can really get a sense of who I am. So I, I grew up in a very challenged home where I felt I grew up invisible. I mean, literally through therapy, I grew up invisible. I grew up in a home where I was never smart enough, never athletic enough. Um, I had no relationship with my dad; zero. Lived in the same home for eighteen years. Parents fought all the time, and I was so longing for connection. Like I was so deeply rooted in missing that like connected tissue that I needed, and I, I just felt like I had never had any worth. And you know, despite that, I had a lot of friends. I did great in school. I graduated four out of 800 in my high school class, even though I was you know, never really told that I was truly smart. My brother and sister both went to Ivy League schools and I couldn't get into an Ivy League school and it was always the negative. Like, you know, my brother played football, I bowled. Like it was always like, I always felt like second fiddle. And um, after college, which, you know, I had a great experience, I was 26 years old and I woke up with testicular cancer out of the blue, just, you know, one day I had groin pain, everybody told me I was crazy. I went on my own without telling anyone. And I wake up and I have testicular cancer at 26 years old. I think that was the first moment, but I, I'm gonna be honest with you. I, all I thought about was that I was, I'm never gonna be a dad, which is despite my childhood, I was dying to be a parent. And I also thought I was gonna die because I grew up thinking, you, know, you have cancer, you die. And so I was dating my wife at the time. Her parents were amazing in helping me get better. I didn't have great insurance. Like there was a whole whirlwind at 26 of like, whatever it takes, just get me better. Um, I ended up, you know, going through all the treatment. Absolutely one of the best cancers to get in the world is testicular cancer. It's curable. It was not, you know, far along. I caught it early. And I went on. I went to business school. I went to Wharton, you know. I'm still in this game of like I don't really know who I am, but the next step in the map is to like go get an MBA. I had a great career up, up prior to that as an accountant, and you know got married. I had my children. I had two kids, uh, one in '98 uh, and another one in 2001. And then 17 years after my cancer diagnosis, I think my world blew up and crumbled when. My wife, who is a gynecologist, um, and I was and I was dating when I was sick, um, said to me one morning in 2011, um, I just got home from a business trip and she said, oh, by the way, I'm going in for a routine mammogram. I was like, what do you mean routine? Like she's never told me that before. She's like, well, they think they saw something. And I'll I'll be okay. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go with you. You know, like in my mind, I just was like, that's something she's never said before. She's a really calm doctor, you know, very easy and keeled. And and so I went with her and, you know, talk about vulnerability on the way to the actual appointment. I said to her, I don't want to know today if there's anything wrong. She's like, what do you mean? I go, I I don't want to know. And she goes, well, that's not how it works. I mean, we're going to my friend who is, and I'm a doctor, you know, she, her being a doctor, we are going to see someone they're going to check right away. Like I get a little bit of special treatment. I'm like, I don't, I want to be like everyone else. I want to wait a week. And we went in and literally from the minute that this breast surgeon looked at my wife and, um, and felt one of her breasts, I could tell something was wrong and so could she. And she's like, it's probably not a big deal, don't worry about it, like, we'll be fine. And I'm thinking, yeah, we caught it early, like my cancer. And two days later, we got a call and I'll never forget it. We were on my way to my kid's recital, um, my son's recital at school to talk about a good time, fun. And the call came in and it was like, this is big. Like this, this cancer is, this is a huge tumor that you have. And my heart, sunk right to the floor we we had no idea what it was we had no idea how aggressive nothing but what i do know is that my wife looked at me and i could tell the look on her face she's like like i could tell she was saying this isn't good and it was that moment where i'm like literally i have my mba i'm i'm moving up the ranks in the brand marketing world i have two kids and i'm like i'm going to i'm going to be a single parent like i had doom in my head right away i was like I went right to the this is over. And over the next couple of weeks we got some, you know, good news in that it wasn't as aggressive, but it was big and it was advanced. And I just, you know, it was that moment of vulnerability where I just all of a sudden everything came back. The whole childhood, the whole I don't know who I am. How am I gonna do this? How am I gonna raise my kids and work? And 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 it took a year and a half to get her back to You know, herself. And I'll tell you, nine years later, she's doing amazing. It is a miracle that this woman is still with us today in the sense that, you know, we had to like kill her to bring her back. But it was that moment, almost like the explosion of that cancer, that really made me stop and say, okay, I surrender. I need therapy. I surrender. I need to know who I am. I need to get real with myself. And that started my journey of um, really discovering who I was, really discovering like, what is my story? Like, how do I put all these pieces together? Why am I so, why am I the type of guy that everybody thinks can run a company? You're so confident, You, you, you present yourself in such a great way, but inside I was like dead, I was empty, I was like, I don't, like why does everybody think I'm better than who I was? And it was because I didn't really truly not only discover who I was, but I also wasn't being real with what I really wanted out of life. And so I went on this therapy journey and along the way on this journey where I started, you know, going into therapy and I, I started to really understand this whole idea of being invisible as a kid along the way I discovered my value. I discovered who I was. And one of the things that's really important is that throughout my career in marketing, I worked at some of the top consumer products companies in the world, Kraft Foods, Nabisco, Cadbury, Godiva. I was at Godiva for almost seven years as their head of innovation. I ate a lot of chocolate, really fun. (laughs) But one of the things I did is I would craft that identity, I would craft the identity of that brand in one word. And that one word was the core value that the brand brought to your life. Like people buy brands because they deliver value. You pay, you get the value. And I had throughout this therapy journey, a recruiter that I was looking for a job. I had lost my job at Godiva. I was in the game right after my wife got better. And she looked at me and she said that you're not gonna get this job that I know you really want. I thought I was getting this job. I was like, oh my God, I'm so qualified for this job. And she said, the reason you're not getting it is because you're a catalyst and they're looking for a babysitter. They're not looking for somebody to disrupt the brand. And literally at that moment, it was almost like my therapist was in the room with me and I started to realize, oh, that's my core value. That everything I look back on in that moment, all the jobs where I was successful, all the things I've been doing in my life up to that point, it was because I disrupted the game. It was because I brought people together. We blew it up. I left. I was the same person, like truly that definition of catalyst. And I started to realize, oh, wait a minute. I do this for brands every day. And I don't even see right in front of my own (laughs) eyes that I'm a catalyst, right? And so I started to realize that okay, I think I understand my value. And now I know why all the jobs I hated and all the reasons why I've been unhappy is because I wasn't able to be a catalyst and disrupt the game. So I journeyed on, you know, life is pretty good. I I decided this moment, I don't know, it came out of just nowhere. My son, he was applying to college I had literally, after Godiva and discovered this core value, I had enough courage to go get another job in a completely new industry, lingerie. Never in a million years did I expect I would go out of food because I didn't think I was good enough to go beyond food because my identity was caught up in, I'm a food guy, I'm a food marketer. And I had this courage after being a catalyst to go get a lingerie job and I knew it wasn't the right opportunity, but I needed to prove to myself that I can market any industry because I knew who I was and while I was at work my son came to me one day and he said I'm applying to college you know we're going through the college process with him and I need you to get me ready for my my interviews for alumni interviews and I was like of course I'm a marketer I'm going to definitely do that (laughs) and literally Brian I asked him one question that would change my entire life the entire trajectory of my career in that kitchen that day, was changed by this one question I asked him. I said, tell me about yourself, which is a typical question you get in an interview. Yeah. And he looked at me and he said, I don't even know what to say. I said, tell me about yourself. And he literally, all he could tell me about was that he was a senior. He played video games. He studied. He had no idea how to articulate who he was. And so I said to him, I have an idea. I think we're gonna discover what your one word is, just like that recruiter did for me. And by the way, I had no idea how I was gonna do this with him. But I knew in my career that all the brands I worked on, so I, I just started playing different exercises in my kitchen and took about a week and a half, two weeks, and we came up with his word. And his word is perseverance. This is a kid who never gives up. And so I then said to him, I want you to write an essay I want you to make believe you're literally in front of that college committee and you're gonna tell them a story in that committee about how you live your core value of perseverance. He wrote this incredible story about a campfire event at Sleepaway Camp. This kid did not solve world hunger. He didn't travel the country you know, doing all this work. He, didn't, he wasn't an entrepreneur. He wasn't a service kid. He went to camp every summer, but he told that committee in a powerful story what he was gonna bring to that school or all the schools he applied to. And he got into Cornell. And it was that moment when he got accepted. I didn't know it then, but at that moment I thought, oh my God, like if everybody knew who they were and they didn't tie their identity up in what they do, which is what I did for years, for years, my identity was my job. I thought maybe, I could help other people around the world. And I'm still at the lingerie company at this point. And i um, you know, he's getting ready to finish school and, and he's got this sort of idea of who he is. And I was at work one day, I will never forget this. I was at work, I was getting my performance report. Okay, it was an afternoon and I, I got the report and I'm looking at it and I'm hearing the CEO talk to me. And all of a sudden I said to him, I think this is the wrong report. He goes, no, this is your report. And he went on to literally ream me through this report. And I sat there and I went, oh, my God. Like, I can't even believe I'm getting this feedback. I had no idea. I knew there were challenges. I knew there were things that were either out of my control. I knew this wasn't the right position. And I literally got up. I closed the door. And I literally said to him, I am giving you my six weeks notice. Like, I I never have done this before, Ryan, ever. And I said to him, I'm gonna tell you why, because I can't be a catalyst and that's who you hired. And I gave him all these reasons and I was very up and up. It was very professional and I said, I'm gonna give you six weeks for four things in return. I think I asked for like unemployment, my bonus, a reference. And he literally said to me, that's the guy I hired two and a half years ago. And I said, that's the guy that can't do his job here. And so I got up, literally got up. I just walked away from my entire career. My kid's going to college in like three weeks, okay? My daughter is in private school. And I came home that night and my wife's like, how's your day And I go, I quit my career. And I thought she was literally gonna tell me that I need to pack my bags and I'm out. And she looked at me and she said, Congratulations. Now go impact the world. And I was like, excuse me. She goes, You should have been out years ago. And I said, I don't know how to do that. Like, I, I have no confidence. Like, um, this is still the guy who has no value. And she's like, No, it's time. And I literally I called mentors, I called my therapist. I wanted everyone to tell me, what did you just do? And they all said the same thing to me. They said, you are a grand slam guy and you're hitting base hits. You have a nice career. I was successful, like, like no issue. But they're like, now is the time for you to go make an impact. And I literally, this is fall of 2017. The next day after I left that company, I was like, what am I gonna do next? I had no idea, no idea. And I decided I wanted to be a motivational speaker. I always wanted to be a talk show host as a kid. That was like my number one dream. I wanted to be like Oprah, Phil Donahue, Ryan Seacrest. That was it. And I had this crazy idea that I was going to go be a motivational speaker and I was going to just share my story. I got a great story. You know, challenging childhood, cancer one, me, cancer two, my wife. I thought everybody will hear it. Life will be great. And I joined this motivational speaking school online the next day. I literally, I paid the money. I was like, I, I I don't care. I'm doing it. I went for it. And the first thing you learn, the first module, they tell you, nobody cares about your story unless there is value in it for them. And I literally sat sat back after that first module and I went, what am I going to do now? Like, I just (laughs) thought I would share my story. Like, you know, I thought this story was really cool. And I, you know, I went to bed that night, a couple of days later, I'm thinking, like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And literally about two weeks later, in the middle of the night, I got up. I stood up in bed. I nudged my wife, who's an OBGYN and we never sleep. We haven't slept in 25 years because, you know, she gets patients call, patient calls every, you know, a lot of times. And I literally said the following to her in the middle of the night. I said, I think I'm going to transform one million lives one word at a time. I just said it. And my wife's like, that's really cool. And I'm like, no, it's not. I want you to tell me it's not. I want you to tell me you can't do that. <laughs> and, I, and she's like, no, I think that's really cool. I got up. I called the mentors back. I called friends. I called my therapist. And they all said the same thing. I think this is a really interesting idea. And then I did one thing that I really thought would be the end of it. I called my financial planner. Because I'm like, he's going to tell me Dude, it's time to wake up. This dream is <laughs> over. And he went through a couple of scenarios about the future with me. Now now granted, I had 25 years of work experience. I had been saving money. You know, he said, I think you're gonna be okay. And we I will never forget the day the door closed and my wife looked at me and she's like, We're done. You're gonna go make this happen. And I just went on this journey from that moment on. And why did I do that? Because I knew, I knew at that moment that I grew up with no value. I grew up invisible. I got my own value. I just, somebody told me I was a catalyst. I've been doing that for years on brands I worked on. And my son was the answer. Look what you've done and helped him go and put a business together and go out and speak in high schools, go to colleges, go to conferences and help people understand the following. And this is the vulnerable part that I really think helped me make this work. My entire platform is built on the insight that what you do is not who you are, but who you are should drive what you do. I wanna say that again. What you do is not who you are, but who you are should drive what you do. And over the last year and a half, I said, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just gonna go out, I'm gonna create a talk, I'm gonna build a name, my platform is called SCORE, which is an acronym I made up for stand out, conquer obstacles, reach excellence, all it takes is one word. I got on the phone with friends, I did free work, I went on stage, I'd come off, what worked, what didn't. And here's the funny part, I literally thought at my first talk, that I was going to be, I told my wife, I'll probably be home at the end of the day and I'll be back tomorrow calling recruiters to get a job because I had no idea how to get you to your one word. I just knew I had a great talk and an idea. I went to my first conference, literally people came up to me after and they said, whoa, can you help me get to my one word? And I'm like, Not really. (laughs) I (laughs) I said, they said, well, you know, when you do, we'd love to maybe connect. And I got home from the conference and I looked at my wife and I was like, that went much better than I thought. Called my team the next day that I had hired to help me build my brand. And they said the following We told you that this idea was going to be contagious and that there was going to be some value. And I said, well, what do I do now? And they said, you're gonna spend the next eight weeks in your office and you are gonna create a program that is inside your head to get people to discover their core value in one word, one word. And I said, okay, <laughs> I <was> like, <laughs> and you know what? I reached out to all the people at that conference that I connected with and I, I created an incubator. I threw questions out, I got back questions, I worked, I did, I, and all of a sudden, I created this program I I, honestly I it just it happened and I I and I put it out there in the world and people started buying it they're like I want to work with you I want to discover my core value and here's the reason why this like over the years what I've learned over the last two years I learned that when you tie your idea to an outcome that people care about that's when life takes off and for me when I tied the college essay in high school. When I tied the seven seconds in your interview in college, when I tied to entrepreneurs that you could take this core value as an entrepreneur and create the identity of your venture and marry the two because you are the brand, the entrepreneur is the brand. And when I speak to corporations that kids that are coming out and they don't know how to navigate their personal development report because they don't know who they are. When I did that over the over the last year and a half, that's when people started to care. And they were like, do you really need your one word? Not really, but if you know what you wanna go do with it, I wanna get into a college, I wanna get that job, I wanna build that venture, I wanna get through the company and move up the ranks. That is when I started to realize, you know what? In, in I can help you disrupt as a catalyst your mindset, and simplify this whole branding process in one word. And that one word is literally the core value that you give away as a brand. Brands give away their core value in exchange for, it's money if you buy it, you know, a company will make money, but you give it away if you want to tell a college admissions committee why I should be the one you select from my school, You tell that interview in seven seconds, that interviewer, you saw 20 people today, but let me tell you who I am at my core and change the game of the interview, like be different. And if you tell an entrepreneur that that they're gonna go out and sell themselves, like the Sarah Blakely's, the Howard Schultz's, the Steve Jobs, there's a reason we know those people because they put themselves in front of their venture with their core value. I started to get more confident and I started to realize, oh, That is my gift. Like I can help people discover that core value in a simple way. Maybe that's why I'm no longer invisible. Like I really started to say that, oh, that's what Brene Brown meant. When you introspect and understand your story and have the courage to go tell people that and get them in your community. And then they want to do what you're doing because they see the power that your one word brought. And I was like, Oh, this works. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to be honest with you, I've just been moving ever since. Like, I'm, I'm going to transform a million lives. I am going to get a million people to understand that their identity is not caught up in what they do. I don't care what you do for a living. I don't care if you never work a day in your life. You still are. You still have a core value that makes you who you are and if you can be known for that one thing and do it well like brands out there that win you win the game now can I give you an example Brian of of, of what I mean by the one word so that your listeners can like really articulate and understand how that gets translated into a person
0: yeah no for sure go ahead
1: yeah, yeah so i i'm on st- when i'm on stages uh, and i speak across the country I bring all the brands in that I've worked on or studied throughout my career, and one of them is Starbucks. And I'll say to people in the beginning of my talk, what is the first word that comes to mind when you see the word Starbucks or you see the logo? And most people will say to me coffee, which is exactly what I expect, okay? But then I share my whole concept around the core value and the one word and people give away their core value. And then I we go back to the brands and I do an interactive in the audience. I'll say to somebody who has been to Starbucks and has stayed there. Somebody will raise their hand. I pick them from the audience and I'll say to them, why do you go to Starbucks? And they, they'll say to me, well, I sit there all day and I do work. And I, you know, I, I love the, this free wifi, the chairs are comfortable and the barista. And I say, Um, How much did you pay for that coffee? And they'll say, um, seven dollars, but that was really expensive coffee. And I'll say to them, you didn't pay for the coffee. You paid for community. You paid for the value of community to sit there all day in the comfortable chairs with the Wi-Fi, the aroma, the barista, and the name on your cup. Like there's a reason why they say, Brian, have a good day. It's not because they can't remember your name, it's because they want to know your name and they want you, they want to say to you, Brian. Enjoy your time while you're at Starbucks. The next day when you come in, they already have your drink ready because they know you and you feel like, oh, I'm valued. So I tell the audience, the product is coffee, but that's not your brand. Your brand is your core value and you use your product, coffee, to drive community. And then I see the audience members go, oh, I never (laughs) thought of that. So it's not expensive. No, you're paying $7 to spend the day there. That's pretty cheap if you think about it, (laughs) right? But then I flip it, but then I flip it on them. I flip it on the audience and I say, okay, now you have to say to yourself before you walk in that interview or or you apply to college or you're an entrepreneur, what value am I giving away? And when I say that you I'm a catalyst, like when people say to me, Oh you're a speaker, Rich. I'm like no no no. I'm a catalyst and I use speaking, I use speaking, coaching, consulting, podcasting to drive my ability to disrupt the way you think on stage around personal branding. And that's when I started to see as I was getting off the stages and I evaluated what worked and what didn't, the moment you convert that brand that they love into the from the product coffee to community people instantly got it. And then I share a lot of other brands, but that's the essence of what I teach people is that you have to think about any brand that you buy or work on or yourself, what are you giving away in exchange for money? And for me, I'm giving the ability to take something really complex, catalyst your mind, we're going to disrupt and we're going to break it down to one thing, one word that is going to change your life because it changed mine. I quit my whole career over that
0: uh that's uh th- there was a lot to digest there and, and a very powerful story to say the least uh, something a couple of things that i want to get back to just to sort of touch on them a little bit more is you know when you first when you talked about sort of the first experience of vulnerability of, of feeling like you weren't seen of not having that great relationship with your father but then you sort of touched on a few moments after that 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 was sort of the driver behind you wanting to become a father that you knew yeah. that you wanted to become a father because of that lack of a relationship Uh, you know for me i just want to sort of get into a bit more in terms of like how like how how did what about that like what about not having that relationship made you like decide because i it just seems to me like there's more to that like it wasn't just like uh, you woke up one day and you're like i want to be a dad like i just if you get what i mean i just want to sort of understand like
1: no it's it's great it's a great question and i i think For me, I was so, there's two ways you can go when you have an experience. You can either repeat it or you could say, I'm gonna change the game, okay? And I had always had in my mind that I was gonna do it differently. I didn't know how, and certainly I credit my wife and the relationship we have and and the way she taught me to communicate and be vulnerable. But I will say to you, I had a deep longing for connection since the day I was born. I mean, that whole idea of being disconnected and feeling invisible, it was just a cry for, I wanted, I, I, we're, we're put on this earth to connect, especially now as we're you know, doing this episode through this coronavirus, like we are humans that wanna be with other humans. So for me, I almost felt that probably couldn't articulate it then, Brian, the way I'm gonna say it now, but I felt like I am not leaving this earth without having that deep connection. And that was the idea of, I felt like if I had my own family, didn't know how I was going to do it, but I, you know, part of the reason I went to therapy was because I thought I was going to repeat the minute my wife had that moment of telling me she had advanced breast cancer. I felt like I was going to repeat the same cycle that I just had as a child. If I didn't get more engaged with my kids. You know there's a difference between being present and really being in the game. So I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. Like I would go to my daughter's basketball games with my iPhone in my hand, and I'm like, I'm barely there. I'm like, yeah. great shot, great shot, Samantha. And she didn't even get it in. I wasn't there. Yeah. But when my wife got sick, I was like, Rich, you're repeating the same thing from your childhood, meaning you're disconnecting right now the way that you felt that you didn't want. And and had it not been for the cancers and my wife's cancer had I not had those signals like rich're we trying to signal to you like get real I don't know if I would have been as powerfully today able to connect the way I have with my kids it was almost like I was forced in into it yeah. but it was um it was just the deep desire as I look back now I, I've been a connector I hope my whole life I'm a giver I, I love to help people win and I just It was like that. Success is the best revenge. There is no way I'm leaving this earth having no children or no connection or no ability to to take what I think was something I had and give it away in in a powerful way. So, I think I've always had that longing. I didn't. I wanted to be a parent since the day I was born. I just. I think it was because of that connecting gene that i have and maybe i didn't have it and i was like on a mission to get it and maybe if i had it i would maybe wouldn't have wanted it in that powerful way but i wanted something i didn't have because i knew there was more to life than what i was experiencing
0: no, it's, it's funny because I don't know if it's just because your shirt has the word catalyst across it and because we've been talking about it so much, but as you were saying all that, I just thought about it again, how even before you realized that you were a catalyst, like there's been catalysts throughout your life, like the, the fact that that relationship wasn't strong, that you didn't have that powerful connection to me, sounds like it was a catalyst for you to decide that's not what I want when I grow up, when I get older, when I decide to have kids. So it's just interesting to me, like I said, I don't know if it's just because your, your, your shirt's giving some sort of subliminal message to yeah. my brain, or if it's just like, like I said, it's it's just interesting to see that that's sort of been something that whether you thought about it back then or not, or whether you realized it back then or not, it's something that showed up in your life over and over again. You've had a lot of these sort of catalytic moments where they've just sort of led to the next thing and the next thing. And it's 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 great to me that you've been able to sort of see that and do something with it. Cause I think a lot of people would just sort of continue down the path or, or ignore it or, or just not see it. And, and then, you know, just end up getting to, you know, whatever point in their life and be like, Oh shit, <laughs> you know, like I miss a yeah. lot. Or, you know,
1: you know, it's interesting you say that because in my program, when I work with people to get to their one word, I believe in my research that there is a direct correlation to what you wanted to be as a kid to your core value today. And what I mean by that is you're born with your core value. And over time, we as a society, and I was guilty of this, we poison your mind to have to go do something to make a living, make money, get a paycheck. (laughs) And you go on this cycle and this vicious wheel until you have a trigger moment. My trigger moments were when I lost my job, cancer. but and, and and that's when you have to stop and go, who really am I? And I will say to you, I've had this, you're exactly right. I can look back on all the things in my childhood, events at school that I was involved in where I changed the game and I started something new. I just didn't know it. And so today, my whole mission is when I transform those million lives, I want people to know it at 20, 18, not 48 when I learned my one word. Because that is when you're going to be so much more confident. You'll have presence in the room. You will know what people are paying you for. Yeah. That's the difference. And so I love that you said that because I can link everybody I work with to what they wanted to be as a kid and show them how that manifested to what their true core value is when we're done. And it's pretty, nope. pretty mind-blowing.
0: No, for sure. And I, and I think that's part of the reason I sort of ask the question at the beginning of the episode uh, of most episodes of like, what is your earliest memory of vulnerability? Because I think that what we don't realize is that you, whether it was at five years old, 15 years old, 20 years old, 20, we've faced vulnerabilities and struggles many times throughout our life. And the key for me is to help is to, to sort of not help you the maybe necessarily the people that I'm interviewing, but help my listeners realize that no matter how many times you face struggle, no matter how many times you face or what type of vulnerability you face that there's, there's something to learn from it and there's something that can help you grow into the person that you want to be. That's, again, you know, like you, you, I don't know if we were recording it, but you mentioned the title of the podcast being Vulnerable with the word ABLE in capital yeah. letters. And it's simply because well, yeah. it's it's like like I said, I want people to realize there's abilities, there's learnings, there's things that you can learn. And so, uh, you, again, you're a great example of that throughout your whole sort of talk there i was i was smiling pretty much the whole time and the reason being is i just released I, I do solo episodes every thursday and my solo episode for yes for today sorry today's thursday um was about career shifts and career changes and sort of the fear that we have behind them and it was hilarious and for me at least and, and Uh, not in the haha funny way but in the ironic way that everything that I sort of put out there yesterday in that episode you brought up during uh, your sort of uh, you know life experience there and it's just it's insane how relatable sort of uh, as much as our age and differences and our our points in our life might be different there's a lot of relatability there like one of the things that I touched on yesterday was tying your identity to what you do for years I was Brian the salesman and I would yeah. really call myself Brian the salesman, and that was it. I knew how to do sales, and that's all I was ever going to do, and and that that held me back from so much because that's all I thought I knew. Like that's all I thought I knew how to do. That's the only skill set I thought I had. Was, was being able to persuade people and talk and so on and so forth. And it was just, that was me and that was my identity. And it, it's just, I think a lot of us do that in a lot of different ways and it's a very dangerous thing to do because it can hold you back and, and block you from a lot of other things. And, and at least in my opinion.
1: Listen, we may have to discover your one word when we're done with this, so just <laughs> say it now. But, you know, I, I, I'd like to say something on, on, just to build on that around identity and tying yourself up, you know, and what you do. I can't stress enough to people how powerful and how powerful your story is and how much you have to understand your story in order to win. If, you know, most people that know me and if you see me on social media, I wear a Survivor Buff and I'm wearing it right now on our call, uh, Brian, and you could see it. When I was a teenager, I started wearing bandanas. Okay. I just put them on one day. Literally just, I thought they were cool. It was really fun to wear. And what I didn't know was that when I would wear the bandana and anything from Mickey Mouse all the way down to the American flag, people would be like, oh, that's cool, that's cool. When I didn't wear my bandana, let's say I went to a wedding or an event at night, people would walk by me and I'm like, hello, it's Rich. And they'd be like, I didn't even recognize you without your <laughs> bandana. But let me tell you why that is so powerful and why that really defined who I was. Because in therapy, I learned. I wore those bandanas because that made me visible. I grew up invisible. And that made me, that made me, even when you didn't recognize me, you did. Because then you stopped me and you're like, oh, I didn't even know that was you. And that power of me now knowing that, and I wear the buff every single day. I mean, it is my trademark, but it's, but it's my story. Yeah. It's, I don't, I'm not wearing these because I decided I have a full head of hair right under this, you know, yeah. buff. And the irony is we're big Survivor fans, and I wear a Survivor buff, but the truth is, what I learned along my journey is that in my head, I had my identity caught up in being a Survivor of my childhood, my life, but in my heart, I'm a catalyst. And on stage, I wear my, my Catalyst next to my heart, the one on my shirt, but my Survivor buff is because in my head, I'm not a Survivor. That is, that is a limiting belief. That is not my identity. But the fact that I wore these bandanas throughout childhood and I do today is because people recognize me and I grew up not being mattering, not mattering, yeah. not in the room. So the power of that is what I share on stage. It's like, we know, everybody knows, you should know who you are, but if you don't, that's vulnerability, break that wall. I promise your life will blossom, as you know from this podcast that you're doing. Life will dramatically change, and the only way it can happen is if you get real with yourself.
0: No, 100%. I think the other huge thing when you were talking about sort of working with your son to come up with his one word is to be able to transfer that to your family, your like your kids. For me, I think one of the the struggles that I sort of went through in the last couple of years is when I started to discover who I was, I wanted to like you know help my brother do it, help my wife do it, help this person do it, help that person do it and the one thing yeah. I discovered is that you know you have to like again getting back to what we talked about in the beginning, you have to get right with yourself first, and I think that was a big part of the problem was like I still wasn't perfect or not perfect because I never nobody's ever perfect but I still hadn't figured out who I was or what I wanted and so here I was trying to give advice to other people and feeling confused and then they're like like almost it's not that they weren't saying you don't know what you're talking about but they weren't listening in a sense and and I was frustrated and thought like well you've seen me do this like why and so I think it's very powerful that you were able to sort of find a way um, to to transfer that skill over because I don't think all of us are able to do that so easily. And and I, I just, I, I'm pretty impressed with that because, like I yeah, said, I, you know, I'm going to become a father soon. So it's something yeah, that I, I want to think about. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you bet. I will tell you that, you know, it's funny because a lot of people will say to me, What type of people do you work with and who are you attracted to working with? And I will say, I have my best success with highly. Emotionally intelligent people. And I think that we really undervalue this word emotional intelligence. And I could tell exactly your, to your point, I can tell who reaches out to me if they're really ready to break that wall down. Because some people aren't. And I respect that. I am a hundred percent. But if you really want to, you know, become who you really are, and I can sense that that high EQ we're in the game. And, we're, and I see it with my clients that I work with. And that's part of the reason I'm launching a podcast this summer is because I want to showcase those stories. Emotional intelligence is so underrated and it is a key to really winning this game. And I try to instill that in the younger generation as well, because I want them at 20, 25, even 18 in high school, your life will be so much more impactful if you discover it then and not wait until you're older.
0: Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, I, 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 you know, for years, like I said, I just spent my life in in the same sort of career and everything because I didn't take that time to figure out who I was or get reconnected with myself. And so at you know, thirty one years old when I got let go from my what's probably going to be my last sales job ever, I was like crushed. I was like, what's yeah. wrong with me? Do I suck? All these sort of things. When it wasn't necessarily anything wrong with me, it was just the fact that I hadn't spend enough time figuring out who I was I had spent so much time with this sort of tunnel vision you know of you know this is what you do and and go to work right. get your paycheck so on and so forth that I hadn't connected with myself and shortly after like maybe about a week or two after sort of being in that sadness of like oh I don't have a job and like life sucks or whatever I, yeah. I started I to slowly like Okay, now what? Read this book, check this out, connect with people online. And as I started to slowly make different moves, I was like, okay, wait, maybe I want to try this and maybe I want to try that. And I realized that I had other skills and other hobbies that I had just suppressed for like years um, because of because of my job and stuff and so i, I totally agree that i wish i had found that out or figured this out at like 18 rather than 33 because <laughs> it's a lot different when I, I think in some ways it's better like at, at 33 in the sense that you're just more mature and you don't understand what to do with it but at the same time i can only imagine the the growth i might have had had i started you know 15 years ago rather than now but I, either way i think it, the the point is to find it and i think like one other thing that sort of comes to mind as I'm saying all this is that point that you brought up is that you're not what you do, um, about like, right. you know, again, because I think a lot of us, we just get stuck in that. Right. And, and you don't realize how stuck you get in it because you're, you're, fan. yeah, because everything, like you said, it's, there's, there's an hour, hours of the day that you're supposed to be there. There's a steady paycheck. There's all these things that sort of keep you there, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Some people, a lot of people will say to me, you, walked away from a very successful career to start over and go out there and help people win. And I, and I say to them, if I called you, if I called five of my best friends the day I made that decision in that performance review, every one of them would have said, you are crazy, do not do it. But guess what? I'm a catalyst. That's what catalysts do. Yeah. It was it, it it wasn't shocking. I mean it's shocking to people, but for me I look back now and I'm like, "Thank God I did that." Because if <laughs> I had li- if I had listened to everyone, I don't rem- I don't recommend everybody do that, not at all. And I left on great terms, but my point is I did it cuz that's my core value. I disrupted my game in order to blow myself up and say now you got to go figure out what you're going to do next. This wasn't, I'm going to stay another year. I'll do this at night. No, but this is how I did it. And I don't recommend you do it my way, do it your way. And whatever works for you, have the courage then, like I did, to go change the game and walk the talk. And, And I will tell you, hands down, I could never do this without the support system around me. 100% I think vulnerability and support go hand in hand you cannot do this alone. We are not wired to be able to do things alone. And so I've been very blessed with a wife who supports me, my kids who now look at me and say, I've never seen you happier. Okay, I make so much less money right now as I'm building my empire. But they said, you really taught us a lesson in finding what you love. And that support system is why I can keep going. And it's it's not because I have this great idea and I think I'm, you know, (laughs) the top of the world. Absolutely not. My therapists, my mentors, my wife, number one, my kids, number two, and all the people around me that see me in action, that's why I'm able to do it. That's vulnerability is when you get real with yourself and say, I do need that support system. I'm not going to go fight it now. I'm going to celebrate that these people are helping me move forward
0: no I couldn't agree more I I know the key the 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 key importance of having a good support system or you know a lot of people say you're the the sum of the five people that you spend the most time with and I couldn't agree with that more I've seen a big shift in my own life by the people that I've started to surround myself with uh, whether it's people I've met online whether it's even the support like you said of family like my wife my wife's been a huge supporter of me since I got like go from that job literally the day that it happened she when I picked up the phone and called her and thought she was going to be like what did you do or what happened or freak out she was like don't worry figure it out and she was the one who pushed me to start trying new things and and you know one of the catalysts for me I guess to sort of start out to to get to where I'm at now Um, you know one thing that I also wanted to to touch on um, and and just sort of reminder from uh, the podcast that I released this week is the person that I had on the podcast she talked about sort of you know facing your pain and how that can sort of help with you know if you, if you face it and learn from it, it can help you sort of, I guess, again, use the word catalyst you into where you're supposed to go. And one thing that I I sort of picked up from when you were telling your story there at the beginning was that, you know, each time sort of, each time something happened, although you went into that dark spot, like you said, like when your wife was diagnosed, you're like, Oh my God, like I'm going to be a single dad. How am I going to do this? Like you really sort of went dark. You really went deep into it. You didn't just sort of like try and have a positive attitude. And and just, I just wanted to get an idea, like, would you say that, that, that facing that pain or, or really sort of being in touch with it is something that can help or something that helped you and something that could help others possibly?
1: Oh yeah. Oh my God. Such a great insight and question. Thank you for asking me that a hundred percent. I mean, that was part of therapy. That was the whole therapy at my wife's diagnosis opened up the entire, you know, house And we, you know, we, we imploded the house and built it up from the ground up. And I would say all the times that I had to, the assignments she gave me, the introspection exercises, I, you're exactly right. I had to get real with like, Rich, that happened. So, okay. What'd you learn from it? The whole goal is, what did you learn that you could take going forward? you, I took a, I took a, um, a leadership course called Landmark Forum, and they teach you that your past does not define your future, but that's how we're raised. We're raised to think we can only do what we knew from the past. And so I would say to you, the one thing that I really, the one blessing that came out of my wife's cancer, once again, really ironic to hear someone say there's a blessing in this, but there really is. And the blessing was, I didn't think I can live on my own. Like I grew up invisible, dying for connection. I meet my wife. In some ways I felt like my wife was my savior. She's gonna go, how am I gonna do this? But what I think it really taught me was getting into the pain of what my life has been about and and then get the strength to realize that you can be on your own. I don't say this in a negative way, but if something were to happen now to my wife, I'm so much stronger and I know life will go on because I did the work. I didn't shy away. I didn't say, well, she's better. Let's move on and wait for the next axe to fall. And that's not easy to do. I don't say that everyone's going to get up and do that work, but I had no choice because when my wife got sick and I thought I was going to be, you know, a single parent, all of a sudden it was about getting those kids, my kids to have, the life that they deserve and give them the ability to be functional in the world. That shift is what made me go do the work. I, I, if it had been only about me, I may have wallowed, but I had no choice in the matter because I needed to let my wife know that they're going to be fine because I'm going to, I'm going to commit myself just like I did at my job or just anything in life. So you've heard the term, Brian, no pain, no gain. I live that. And the gain, the gain is so much bigger than the pain. If you go through it, if you go through that wall and break it, I promise, I, I, every listen listening call me, I promise you, you will blossom like I did. And now I'm ready for anything that comes my way. I'm not saying I'm going to handle it like, like a champ, but I know now that I can live on my own. I know now that I will survive because I know my value. And I know what I need to do now, which is help others get their value so they live better earlier than I did. So it's a a 100% yes to your question. No pain, no gain.
0: No, and, and it's interesting how you sort of use that 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 one sentence that we've all heard a million times, no pain, no gain. I think a lot of us think about it in terms of like the movie where it's like, you know, going to work out or whatever. But I think that in terms of life, that's sort of what it is. It's like a constant workout. Like you constantly have to be, willing to shift and adapt and change and 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 do all these different things to get to where you want to be if you're just sort of stuck in that same place or what i like to call the comfort zone it's very easy to 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 not have any growth or to just sort of you know get to 80 90 years old and then look back and go crap you know i missed the whole lot or i didn't do this or i didn't do that um so again you know no pain no gain 100 percent makes sense
1: (laughs) so you said it well said
0: so if um if we were to sort of I guess look at your entire journey and and I think I already ha- I know the answer to this, but um if we were to look at your entire journey, everything that you've been through, how would you say it's all of it if you were to put it maybe into one word, <laughs> which I might even <laughs> know what that word is, but um if you were to just sort of culminate everything you've been through, how did it help you get to where you're at right now today with your programs, with your speaking, your coaching, everything like that? Wow. Um
1: uh... Ryan, that's a good question. You like you're very thought provoking. I love it. Um, I would say that one of the probably the I'm going to say a one word. I'm not going to use the word catalyst because obviously that's <laughs> what I do. But I I, I I'm going to take I'm going to take a lesson from my career in corporate branding and the pivot I made to personal branding. And I'm going to say the word guide. G U I D E guide. I think the one thing that I've learned is that. We are put on this earth to help others win. If you put a brand hat on, you buy a brand because it solves a problem, and that problem makes your life better. And I think the thing that I learned, and I'm learning every day, because this is also a battle. I, you know, I'm still in the game of, you know, working through this, is that I'm here to help somebody else win. I'm the guide that helps the hero win and the hero being the consumer. And I think that mindset has really propelled my connecting ability. Um, I've always been a giver. I never knew how to articulate why, like, why I, I love to give and I hate to receive. I'm not a good receiver. And that's because I've always had a brand hat on. Maybe in my whole life, I've always been a brand. I just didn't know it, how to articulate it. And I'd say, I would say for you that this whole journey taught me that I know my value, I know my story, I know that I've been put on this earth to help others discover their core value. And I'm gonna say something that may sound a little morbid, but I mean it with every ounce of who I am. I tell everyone that's close in my circle, when I die, I want you to come to my funeral with your one word on your shirt, and here's why. Because it's exactly the question you just asked me. I was the guide who helped you discover who you are. I grew up with zero value. I came into the world with zero value in my mind, discovered mine. I give it away. I want you to come because when I'm above looking down, I'm going to feel like I won. I won my place on earth and I'm gonna be remembered. Legacy is a big deal for me, yeah. but in order to have a legacy, you have to have an impact and it doesn't have to be huge. Yeah. But for me, it's like, I wanna look down and go, oh my God, look at all those words, you know, catalyst, barrier breaker, puzzle maker, trailblazer. And I mean this because I, I'm gonna have a life after I leave. I believe in that, but I wanna look down and go, what, a, what unbelievable that I helped all these people, they win. I was the guide. I win because they won, but they yeah. won. And so I would say the word guide because everyone on this that's listening to this should know as a brand, a personal brand, you are giving away your personal brand to help others win. This is not about I mean me, I I'm great. I'm, it's not selfies. It's what are you giving away and you give away that core value. And if you do it right, people are going to want to be in your world just like the
0: brands that you buy. Oh, uh, So it's funny because as you were ta- talking about all that and before you said the word, all I could think in my head that all I kept repeating was legacy, legacy, legacy when you were yeah. saying that. And to be honest with you, maybe I'm the, the one of the few people, but I don't think that's morbid at all because as of the last uh, maybe sort of, I, I would say close to a year, maybe six months, somewhere in between there. Um, I downloaded this app. It's called We Croak. It's something I heard about on a podcast and essentially oh, wow. what this app does is it sends you five um, quotes every day uh, that that make you contemplate your death, essentially. And it sounds morbid, it sounds kind of dark, but it's been huge for me because it's made me sort of look at life differently in terms of like actually having to think about the fact that one day it's going to happen and so when you said that i was like that's not morbid that's how we should all be thinking we should all be thinking about like what is it that we want to leave this world with you know i did a my first solo episode was on this thing that a coach that i work with calls your last day letter and i wrote a letter that was literally like if i were to die tomorrow here's what I want people to remember and and here's the letter that I want them to find. And, and so I don't, I don't think it's, I think it's again, something Uh, that we all need to, we all need to think about more because I think that, what a lot what what's unfortunately i think to happen to many of us until we start to open up is that we're going to get to our deathbed and we're going to think about i worked a lot i made a lot of money and i did all these things but i missed out on experiences i missed out on spending time with loved ones i and then this is something that i've said in a few episodes and i'm trying to you know say to people around me people close to me because i think it's unfortunate that a lot of us get to that point is that it takes till that point where Either it's, you know, like I said, we're 80 or 90 or something, you know, drastic happens in our life that we're like, oh crap, (laughs) like there's more to it. There's more that I need to do. So I think it's, it's important to think about that and what you want that legacy to be. So would you say at this point where you're at right now, you found success and fulfillment in your life, or would you say that you're still on your journey towards it? And I feel like I already know the answer because you've sort of alluded to it a couple of times, but let's hear from you.
1: Yeah. (sighs) Yeah. Wow, um, I I will say that I am going to be on this journey until the day I take my last breath. But I will tell you, I have never been happier in my life right now, and so I have I, I have found fulfillment, and I know now how to go give that gift away to help others win. I I, I I think I've been successful my whole life because I define, I really define success in one way, to be honest, if I'm, if I'm so completely like candid and vulnerable at this moment, success to me is my children being happy. Success to me is my children saying to me, mom, dad, thank you, you've done a really good job. We're not perfect by any means, but we know how to go out in the world and live. And we know how to walk through challenges. I literally asked my children at dinner last night, cause they're both college kids who are home now throughout through the virus and the quarantining. I said, are you guys happy? And they said, yeah. I said, they said, well, why are you asking me that? And I said, because mental health is such a challenge right now, mm-hmm. your age group. And they said, no, we're, we're very happy. You give, you've given us the tools and you continue to give us the tools to be there for us. And so that's to me, success. I define that, but fulfillment for me is I'm now giving my gift away which is helping people discover who they are. That will be a journey I'll continue to go on, but I gotta tell you, that's exciting. I mean, it's hard. I am building my business with blood, sweat, and tears. I'm trying to get out there and speak on stages and get people to hear my message, but I'm so fulfilled after a phone call or a meeting with someone when they discover who they are. I get the same piece of feedback. You have given me the confidence to know who I am. That's it, Like I'm gonna drop the mic because that's what I care about most. And I, I do believe, I do believe that if you engage first and sell second, you will sell a hell of a lot more in life. If you just engage someone first and stop worrying about selling them, you will sell way more. And I saw that with every brand I worked on and I see that with every entrepreneur that's now really in the groove. It's all about engagement first. Give away your value, sell them after that, and you'll have a flock of people coming to you.
0: So first off, that wasn't at all the answer that I expected. I I expected you to simply come and say, no, I'm still on my journey because you alluded a few times throughout the episode that you're still on this journey. But the other thing I want to say is that that is literally the most unique answer I've had to the question, that question since the podcast has started. Most people have either said, you you know, no, I'm still on my journey towards both. Some people have said, yes, I'm fulfilled, but no, I'm not successful. Some people have said, you know, uh, depends on how you define success. And, you know, there's been a lot of different answers, but yours is, it was completely unique. And, and I, I really appreciated it because like I said, Thank you know, that. starting my own family soon. Um, that's something that I've, you know, definitely given some thought to in my own life. And for you to say that success isn't in, you know, the money or the business or the this and that, but in the fact that your kids are happy and that you've done a a good job bringing them up uh, was huge for me because it makes me think about what I want to do for my kids. You know, when, when, when we, uh, when, when they come into this world.
1: Ryan, that's a great, that's, I'm so glad you said that because one of the things I learned on this journey, just in life, it's not about my kids, but it's related to my kids is that you get out what you put in. And I went back to that, I told you in the basketball stands, I wasn't there. I was not. One of the things that somebody said to me many years ago, and I thought it was brilliant, and I wrote it down, is you got to earn your kids' like. They're going to love you. They will always love you. You got to earn their like. They don't have to like you when they leave. They don't have to come home. And that really, my kids, not that they didn't like me, I didn't know that. I didn't know if I was worthy of them liking me. And so I love that you said that. Just always remember Anybody needs to know you get out what you put in, and that's yeah. with every aspect of life. So great question, and great you know you're going to be great.
0: <laughs> well, I appreciate you're that. You're already
1: <laughs> vulnerable. You're already vulnerable. You'll be
0: great. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that, and and honestly, there's so much to take from this episode. Like you know, I, if I were to have been taking notes this whole time and it's funny, I don't, but I tend to remember a lot my, my brain has I have a really good memory for whatever reason, like I'll go to write the show notes for this in months from now. And, and I'll still remember this episode. Don't know how, don't know why, but anyways, I digress. What I was going to get to is that there's, there's just a ton to take from this episode and I'm going to enjoy listening back to it um, when it releases. Cause I do that with every episode, but sure. if you could sort of, to end it off, um, the, the sort of the last question that I ask all my guests is if you were to give people three key takeaways, three important lessons from your journey that they could implement into their life, facing their own struggles and, and getting to where uh, they want to go, what would you say those three important lessons or three key takeaways would be from you? Oh, oh
1: wow. Okay. Um, well, I'm going to start with the best one first, which is <laughs> n- n- number one. Um, be the guide, never the hero of your story. Number, that's it. Be the guide, never the hero. Give away. Give away your core value to help others win. Um, I'm going to say number two is um, the more you give, the more you live. I've learned that. I, I mean, I, I didn't really get it until I took this, you know, plunge into quitting my career and, you know, starting a whole new game. Um, you give to live it's that simple and try it out i tell everyone go try it call call me back and tell me how it's going they end up going wow um (laughs) and then i'm going to say that i'm going to say the third one because it really just came to me but i think it's so powerful and that is nurture your future self i'm going to say that again nurture your future self You, you have to be anticipatory about your own life like you can't be cushy in the comfort zone. Look at look at look at what we're in right now this pandemic. You got to nurture how you want to live the rest of your life. You don't have to exactly know, but if you do not get up and do something, you can't expect others to do it for you. And so if you nurture your future self and really you know actively think about what steps do I have to take to stay relevant? And not, you know, because we could all become irrelevant very easily. But if you nurture that, like I'm doing, and like I'm trying to instill in my kids to do, boy, I, you know, the challenges you will hit will be a lot easier to overcome. So um, be the guide, not the hero. The more you give, the more you live, and nurture your future self.
0: Oh, solid three. And I don't know what I find interesting is that I've heard over and over again, what you sort of made at the point that you made in that second uh, one of of the more you give, the more you live and being in service of others I've heard is is huge. And I've seen it in my own life in the last few years. I've done, around Christmas time instead of uh, my mom spending a lot of money on me for Christmas and me getting gifts that may just sit around what we've been doing is she's been taking that money and we've been buying gifts for the sick kids hospital in my area and wow. donating wow. you know a few hundred dollars worth of gifts to that hospital because I said to, you know what I've said to her over the last two years is they need it more than I do You know, as much as I appreciate getting gifts and everything like that, that kid who's in the hospital and who knows what they've got or what their reason is for being there, that one gift might totally change their entire Christmas. And I'm trying to implement it more into my life, but I think what what was important about sort of the also the the way that those uh, answers went in the terms of the one, two and three is that I think that if when you do give and you, you will live more and you're in service of others, that nurturing your future self will become easier as well, because oh, it'll yeah, yeah. it'll help you with that self care. It'll help you with sort of figuring out who you are. So I just think that it was interesting how you're sort of one, two and three. They worked perfectly together in terms of how they can help anybody with anything that they're going through which is sort of the point of that like I said so um solid three like I said thank so the,
1: you I really appreciate that
0: the last thing that uh that I want to do for all my guests is I want to give them an opportunity to just promote themselves uh, talk about what they're up to their programs where to find them on social whatever they want to do it's just sort of your own few moments of self-promotion yeah. so the floor is yours
1: Thank you, I appreciate that. So I would say if anybody wants to learn more about my SCORE platform and how to discover that one word, that core value, um, my website is therichkeller.com. I would also say if you wanna catch me on LinkedIn from my content, just type Rich Keller Catalyst. I put my one word right into my profile. Um, and then I would just say for the third one, um, I'm pretty excited. I shouldn't say pretty, I'm damn excited about <laughs> The podcast that I'm launching this summer called The Catalyst Effect. And it's going to be showcasing all the people that I've worked with, uh, thought-leaning entrepreneurs, high school and college trailblazers, and emotionally intelligent business executives. And there they took me up on my challenge because a lot of people don't believe they can get to their one word. And they took me up on their challenge, and I'm going to share. Uh, their journeys and stories to inspire this movement of getting to 1 million people. So be on the lookout for that. And um, and then I just want to say thank you to you. Brian, I got to tell you, I love this podcast idea you're doing. I mean, vulnerability, especially for men, is the, I mean, I cannot stress enough, get vulnerable. And I love that you took this upon yourself to reach out and, you know, make a difference in this. So uh, thank you for having me because this is probably one of the most unique interviews I've given and I've been, you know, I I, I want to get real and I want people to know my story so that they can be inspired to go out and make an impact in the world. So thank you.
0: No, and right back at you, Rich. Uh, thank you for taking the time and for sharing so openly. For me, it's, it's, and I've said this before, it's it's very humbling um to me and also very interesting in many ways to me that i've been able to with no real knowledge or experience of this area that i've been able to put this out there and, and been able to have people come on and share their stories like i said you and i met through one dm on instagram i have no, i had no idea who you were where you had no idea who i was but we sent that dm we started that conversation and then here we are today and, and so like i said it's extremely humbling for me that people will come on here and like you came on and shared as openly as you did Pour your heart out. It just makes me feel really good about what I'm doing. And, and like I said, thank you just for doing that. Uh, you know, I, I you said I think before we hopped on, you know, you want to continue this friendship. That's one thousand percent. I am for yeah. that. I agree with that. I'm not
1: because, going anywhere. Yeah, I, I get rid of me. <laughs> you, you've had
0: an impact on me in a matter of you know an hour and a bit that we've been on this call. And uh, yeah, right. just like I said, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing so openly. And I look forward to staying connected with you and and getting to know each other better.
1: Grateful to be here. Thank you again.
0: Awesome. Take care. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. And follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn. You can also follow me, Brian Almeida, by searching my name on all platforms. If the podcast has impacted you in any way, I would also greatly appreciate a review. Lastly, if you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, I would love to have them on. Thank you and see you next week.